available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions Weekend Edition. I am David Woods, Bruno Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. It is the weekend edition. We couldn't really plan a show during the week. I went out hiking on Catalina Island. We're doing it on a Sunday. We're, we're going to talk some hoops, and we're doing a show on a Sunday. This is weird, David. It's very odd. Uh, it's going to be an oddly basketball-centric show, which I, I think by that we mean, and I think we agree, we're going to spend about five minutes talking about basketball, which is more than we usually do. Um, <laughs> I am recording this while half paying attention to uh, several basketball games, so it will be an unusually an extra distracted podcast from me, which I can only imagine will be excellent listening for everyone. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about all that in a second. I just want to let people know how to get a, a hold of us. Uh, but again, apologize. Didn't do a show last week. Uh, I, I did the Trans Catalina Trail, David. I walked across Tran- the Catalina Island. So I chose to do that. Maybe it wasn't smart, but no service. So we couldn't do a show then. But we're doing it over the weekend. And uh, hopefully it'll tide people over as we get some spring football stuff ramping up here pretty soon. But if you want to contact us, you can email us, pack12podcast at gmail.com. That's the email address. Call or text us. And we got a couple of voicemails to play this week. 424-532-0678 is the number to leave a voicemail or to send us a text. We've been getting more voicemails lately, so that's cool. You can tweet us at pack12podcast. And the website, of course, is pack12podcast.com, where all the old episodes exist. Reddit is reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. But the main thing, what we want you to take away from this is please go to your Apple podcasting app. Subscribe to the show, of course. You want to get the the episodes to your phone or your device all the time whenever we put out a new one. But give us a five-star rating, a positive or negative review. But leave us the five stars. That's all we ask. We've had a lot of fun with it. The people have been great leaving some fun reviews where they say they're five stars and then they just trash us. Uh, maybe we got some more of those this week, Dave, but uh, I, lo- I love those ones. Those are my favorite. They're incredible. They're incredible. And we do have four new reviews, uh, one of which I think is an excellent commentary on what you just said. Uh, starting off with uh, DC Dog 91, five stars, uh, POC, Ryan and Dave do a podcast. Beautiful. Love it. Synced. <laughs> uh, this is this is the really this is the great one. I'm going to read it second because I have no sense of timing. Uh, Stanford <laughs> fan number eight, five stars. A great meta podcast, a great podcast where the featured content each week is a reading of the iTunes reviews for the podcast interspersed with requests for more five star reviews. Really a genius idea. I'm not sure why no one thought of doing this before now. When Ryan and Dave run out of reviews to read, they fall back on talking about college football until they feel they've recorded long enough that it technically counts as a podcast. Beautiful. That is a really that's a really good one. Yep. Great description of our show and (laughs) what the purpose of it is. 
it is just this human centipede of uh, creating reviews and hype. All right. Uh, then we've got Peter's 415, uh, five-star review, Paradox Podcast. A couple of podcasts ago, a listener asked a very typical POC sports question. What country would each Pac-12 coach be? Ryan said one coach would be Amsterdam. If you see no problem with the question or answer, then this is the five-star podcast for you. <laughs> Ryan is a Manhattan, Hermosa Beach, living Romney Republican. David is an AOC socialist, not libertarian, UCLA North Campus history major who often starts a response with, I don't care. The paradox is that both are sharply critical of their schools. Ryan doesn't seem to have the silver spoon upbringing of most USC fans and donates time to meal on Meals on Wheels. David is clearly lazy but bright and sometimes even savant-like on certain subjects. He gravitates to analytics and was a grad school admissions test tutor. But if you didn't hear him talk and only saw a picture of him and knew that he lived in Atlanta, you could visualize him wearing a Blue Lives Matter t-shirt. So the POC is probably a three-star podcast if you didn't go to UCLA or USC or aren't a Pac-12 fan from one of the other schools living through a pandemic. Thank you, Peters. Nice. And then we've got one last one from Mondor Manic. Five stars. Uh, they're back. After a 12-year absence, Hannity and Combs have returned in a variety show to bring you their thoughts from world history, beach volleyball, to Disney+. Plus. Hannity, more subdued than we're previously used to, still runs the show, but his boy Combs is no longer the feeble-speaking dotard he once was. Combs is now reformed into the loudest, most persuasive co-host, offering poignant thoughts on Civil War history, contemporary sociopolitical analyses, and Star Wars. A polymath, expect Combs to provide his take on which Byzantine emperor has done more to revive the glory days of the Empire sometime this year. For some inexplicable reason, they'll talk about football in the Pacific 12, Pacific 12 Collegiate Athletic Conference, but they eventually bring it back to why we all listen to this show in the first place. Nice. Uh, great, great stuff. Thank you. And yes, I, I knew Amsterdam was not a country. We were trying to think on the fly of countries. And like, the, was it Justin Wilcox? I was like, I forget who it was. I'm like, he would be an Amsterdam guy. So that was that was my thought process. But you don't need to know the thought process. Yeah, and the other clarification, I am definitely not a polymath. I would say my knowledge generally runs the classic a mile wide and an inch deep in all things. <laughs> no, I would say you're deeper than that. You, I mean, you pull out a lot of good knowledge, Dave. Don't, okay, don't yeah, so there are, some, there are some areas where, like, if you're walking across the mile wide river that's mostly an inch deep, there are occasional areas <laughs> where you might step deep and break your leg. But that's it. Yeah. Potholes. Potholes. All right. Potholes of knowledge uh, in the David Woods uh, highway of life. Okay. We have a little other kind of news to get to. So do you guys remember a few weeks ago uh, when the Pac-12 announced they had a, uh, a agreement with Jockey and we were making jokes about the on-air talent being in their underwear? Well... We got our buddy Tom from Jockey. He listens. He listens to the show. Sent us. We are now we are now full on board with Jockey. Like all you have to do is email us and tell us, hey, we're gonna send you a couple of free things. Boom, we're on board with Jockey. You know, I, I be, yeah, I want to be clear with everyone out there. Uh, you might have heard something of me talking politics on the show, and you might have a certain idea about my political bent. But I want to be absolutely abundantly clear. I can be bought. You just you can give me things. You can pay me money. You can do whatever you want, and I will be your mouthpiece. It's fine. I like money. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, and but Tom was great. Uh, you know, listening to the show, and you know, he's gonna give us some more information about what's going on with the jockey brand. But I love that. Like, 
we didn't have to like, oh, okay, we're instantly going to be on board, but just you reach out and be like, hey, you know what? I work for Jockey. Obviously, we make more than underwear. Here's the why this partnership's going to work and stuff. So it's just it's really cool and uh, for someone to do that. So we'll we'll get get some more information on uh, Jockey and stuff going forward. But yeah, you, know, you know, you got an issue with us? Send us an email. It might work. Yeah, it might work. <laughs> It may just work. So very excited about But that. thanks for Tom reaching out. He seems like a, a cool dude. He's the director of uh, sports marketing over there. And at, he at was very much treated to the David Woods email experience, too. Well, yeah. So if you email our Pac-12 podcast at gmail.com, um, I don't know how often you look at it, David, but it doesn't go to like my phone. So I usually look at it right before we record the show. And then if there's something like, hey, well, there's an emergency. Of, and I, oh, that was from a week ago. I, I don't see it. But. I have to email him from my regular email address and then get the ball rolling is what usually happens. Yeah, I meant he was treated to the David Woods email experience of having to send me like three separate emails before I actually responded. True. Um, It's incredible. Well, and it's not like, so if you're like, it's like, say you're the IRS and you're emailing David to, uh, hey, we need to, you need to pay another three grand for your taxes last year. And, And it doesn't respond. That's one thing. If somebody's emailing you like, hey, I've got something free for you, uh, all you got to do is is acknowledge and say hello, you still might not get a response from David. So that's, Yeah, no, yeah. I, I am very, um, you know, it's it's genuine, right? Like, it's not <laughs> like I'm, I'm picking anybody out. I'm just, you know, probably not responding to anything and, you know, maybe not even seeing it for several days. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, but, you know, that's that's you. That's... That's your charm. That's what makes you. Isn't it charming? We love it, don't we, folks? (laughs) Very, very charming. Um, All right. Let's. uh, Well, let me. I have a couple little points from uh, John Wilner's email. We'll bring up and we'll talk some some hoops and stuff. So, uh, you know, I I don't now. I lost it. Son of a. You know, should we just go right to hoops? Just talk hoops. Let's go right right to hoops. hoops. Let's go right to hoops. Because like Um, I, I feel like I'm like forcing it. Like. There's little tidbits of what's going on, but you know, it's the weekend. Do we really prep? Do we ever prep? No, 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 no I do a little, do I didn't this time. So we're, we're really screwed this time. Well, I think the important thing to acknowledge at this juncture is that the PAC 12 is once again, the premier athletic conference in the country and uh, no one's a close second. So the PAC 12 is beating teams on the, the court there in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, they're getting teams sick with the coronavirus so they can't even play against them. Like they're undefeated, right? So as we're recording this, no, no Pac-12 team has lost. Yeah, no Pac-12, no Pac-12. Well, uh, no <laughs> Pac-12 team has lost. Um, and there's going to be uh, Oregon State playing tonight. So we're saying this um, recording as of 3.37 on Sunday. Uh, Oregon State's playing in a few hours. Um, but as of this juncture, no Pac-12 team has lost. UCLA has won twice by virtue of being in a play-in game. Um, and then the uh, the other four teams all won their first-round games. Oregon by virtue of a of a um, COVID canceled. Do you still have that sound drop? Uh, COVID canceled. There you go. Yeah. Oregon BC it was COVID canceled. Um, but uh, I, I think what stands out is not just that the, I mean, look, it's low sample size. It's the NCAA tournament. You, do, you can't take all of that much from it, but the Pac-12 has been woefully um, short on these small sample size victories lately. So we'll take it. And then on top of that, um, each of the wins has been pretty convincing. Uh, UCLA 
Um, had a close one against Michigan State in the opener, but then really handled BYU. USC completely handled Drake. Uh, Oregon State, as a 12 seed, completely handled Tennessee. Um, Colorado was really, really good in the opener. Um, and uh, and Oregon obviously blew out VCU um, en route to uh, the COVID-canceled game. Um, so that it could was be a uh, disadvantage for Oregon, though, right? And having not played a game yet, because you know sometimes those the teams with the play-in games they get a little bit of a a bump because they've already played a game. You're you're fresh. I mean, well, you know, you're you're warmed up already, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it certainly can be. Um, I think UCLA definitely benefited benefited from playing that, and this is true of like the playing game uh, historically. Um, those eleven seeds that come out of that actually win their next round games at a higher clip than like a usual eight or nine seed. Um, but, uh, or not a usual eight or nine seed, a usual nine seed. Um, so I think there is some benefit to it, but Oregon, I think, um, I think they're going to surprise some people. Um, I mean, Iowa's pretty good, but Oregon wasn't really at full strength until the back half of the year. And then they were kind of blowing people away for a pretty good clip there. Um, they they are probably I mean if I'm just eyeballing it at full strength I think Oregon's the best team in the Pac-12. They just weren't ever really at full strength until late in the season, um, and then had to play a bunch of catch up. Uh, so I think they could give Iowa a game, but I, I actually like I mean Colorado Ken Palm would have them favored against Florida State. Um, so that that's a really winnable game. USC, I think, has a really, really winnable chance against Kansas. Uh, UCLA lined up against Abilene Christian. Um, losing that one would be a big disappointment. Um, and uh, Oregon, you know, I think that's – Iowa's probably going to end up favored by four or five points, but Oregon's got a chance in that one. Um, I think Oregon State tonight is probably the one where, you, you know, you might say the Pac-12 doesn't have as much of a chance. Um, but even there, I mean, Oregon State's playing much better ball right now than they were a month ago. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird to see the Pac-12 doing uh, so well and looking good. I mean, Colorado, like they just look like a real legit team. You know, they obviously made the run in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, Oregon, like you said, maybe the highest upside. You know, USC's got a a lottery pick. You know, top three pick on their team, and if, if he plays well, they can make a run. I mean, there's a bunch of those teams look like hey, they can actually do some damage in the Pac-12 tournament. And, you know, UCLA, the way they were playing, I mean, to, to beat the likes of a, a Michigan State, you know, in the, you know, you, you're playing a team that, that already beat, like, what, number one seeds already? Is that what Mick Cronin was complaining about? Was like, that in the 11 game? Like, that's that's a tough yeah. one. Yeah, that that the, the, the first four game, I mean, he was complaining about it. I mean, if you went by analytics or, you know, kind of a general assessment of things, it was pretty obvious UCLA was either going to be an 11 or 12 seed or in the play-in game. Like, it, I don't think it was a huge controversy that they ended up there, and I don't think it was a huge controversy that Michigan State ended up there. Michigan State had a weird season where for the first half of the year they were bad, and then they got good for a brief stretch, but they were still really inconsistent. So he was complaining about it. I thought it was fine. Um I think both teams um, in that game played like teams that shouldn't have been in the first four, but their resume to that point had, I mean, they were what their record was, and then they just played a lot better than that. And then UCLA against BYU played a lot better than, that was their best game of the year. Like, they played better that in that game than they did in any single game this year. And you, when you're seeding a tournament, you can't predict that they're just going to suddenly turn it on and do that. So... 
I mean, UCLA is now playing like a team that probably should have, you know, won the Pac-12 regular season title um, instead of, you know, kind of faltering down the stretch. But part of maybe why they're playing so well right now is because they faltered down the stretch, because they got, you know, 36 minutes of great play against Colorado, Oregon, and USC, and then lost their ass in the last four minutes. Um, now, if, you know, maybe that the lesson learned from, and Oregon State, for that matter, they were up 16 at one point in that game and lost. So the lessons from those four straight losses might have, you know, uh, instilled in them a little bit more of a killer instinct when they're going against the BYU and having a double-digit lead late. And then, you know, BYU made a run in that game, got it to within four, um, and then UCLA kind of put put on the gas again and uh, kept it a double-digit lead pretty much the entire rest of the way. But yeah. that's the Pac-12 in general has way outperformed expectations. Um and if they can continue it a little bit, then you might be able to draw some some more meaningful conclusions. Right now, it's you know small sample size, but if they end up with three or four teams in the Sweet 16, well, that's that's a real data point then. It is, and I think you know obviously there's a lot of interesting matchups, and you know I watched a bunch of the USC Drake game and. Yeah, okay, you had a bunch of seven-footers for USC and short guys for Drake, and they couldn't even take their three-pointers because they had to shoot over these guys. That wasn't a great matchup there. But, you know, you're playing Kansas. That's going to be a completely different kind of thing. So we could see the Pac-12 teams falter in the next round, uh, or they could, you know, keep moving on. But if you were going to cr- you know, crush the Pac-12 for, like, having nobody be, you know, what was it, the two years ago, it was like like, like past Thursday afternoon, like everybody was gone. Or something. You know, it's like crazy. Yeah. Um if you got you know three or four teams in the Sweet 16, you're going to talk about it too. I mean, maybe no one's going to make a run in the Final Four. Maybe no one's going to the championship. But they look like there's teams that are dangerous enough that they can, they get hot, they can make a, a little run. And just to see teams like you know Illinois go down, but you know uh, what was it? Uh, what what's the Chicago one? What's the sister one? Loyola Chicago. Loy- Loyola Chicago. Yeah, that one. Yeah. So I watched that this morning. Um, you know, see number one seeds go down. It's kind of fun. Ohio State losing, you know, all these teams that are higher ranked. Uh, So there's upsets to be had for sure. There's a lot of double-digit seed teams that have won. And the fact that the Pac-12 has avoided all potholes so far, you know, we got to give them kudos for it. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a fun day tomorrow on Monday uh, because there will be four Pac-12 games. Um, So it should be a fun round of 32 and hopefully – you know, at least three of them or so emerge for the uh, Sweet 16. Yeah, well, I have, have to get your, like, Ken Palm info when we get to the Sweet 16 and get your thoughts on who you think uh, it's going to be. Oh, yeah. Stuff. Well, yeah. and I, one thing I would point out is Ken Palm would tell you that Loyola Chicago over Illinois was, yeah, an upset, but marginal upset. Really? Not, not something like an eight. Uh, so Loyola Chicago is his number seven team in the country this year. Illinois is number five. So oh, wow. it was an upset, but it wasn't a huge upset. So um, he had them at number seven in the country and they were an eight seed. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people popularly had uh, North Carolina over Wisconsin in the opening round. Uh, Wisconsin was his number. I mean, they just lost to Baylor, uh, but they were his number 12 team in the country. North Carolina oh, wow. was 31st. So there were some uh, this year felt like it had more of the like mid mid like 2013 2012 energy in terms of the seating 
I think the committee had a really, really tough task, but a lot of the things didn't necessarily align with um, what the metrics were saying about some of these teams. Like USC right now is the number nine team in the country, according to Ken Palm. They're a six oh, wow. but they're way ahead of Kansas, which is the number 18 team in the country. So even though that's a three seed Kansas versus six seed USC, the numbers would have USC favored in that game. Interesting. Yeah, um, yeah well, and the, the whole COVID deal, so there was multiple positives for VCU um, and then that game ends up being a no contest so Oregon you know advances there so we'll, we'll get our first chance to see them on Monday um, did you did you think something like that was going to happen you think more will uh, it's not like a real bubble right there's like four hotels all the teams are staying in I but- would think as we get further along the odds get less and less likely right because they're not doing a whole lot of mixing and I think it's very structured there um, it's just when they, when they were coming in, I mean, whatever they were doing at home, I think it m- makes it so they could get disqualified from these rounds. I, maybe I'm wrong. I think they're all staying in Indy now, right? Aren't they? I believe, I thought there was like four different hotels that all the teams were staying in. But like you said, as teams drop off, yeah, but they're they, not going, they're not going back home, right? Between games, between rounds. I think they're all staying there. Yeah. I think you're, I think it's like, weeks <laughs> i mean since you're doing remote learning or whatever anyway yeah that's what i much. think um but, but anyway i mean i think there was more risk on the come in uh period you know whatever their protocols on campus were or whatever they were doing living at home you know all the different stuff that, that was going on that made makes any team susceptible to this um it's much less likely in a very controlled environment so i think we got through what the first round with only one We'll see if any of the round of 32 games get canceled. Um, None have yet today. We'll see if any get canceled tomorrow. And then I think after that point, should be pretty safe. I mean, it would have to be some kind of odd circumstance, I would think. Or some team just being completely stupid about what they're doing. But I think at this point, guys are getting so serious about it that they're probably being pretty good about the protocols. Did you fill out a bracket this year? Oh, yeah, sure did. Okay. I, I did not. Um, part of it was I was, I was doing my, you know, camping trip or whatever, but I just not, we've talked about this before. We don't hardly ever talk about college basketball on the show. It just seems like it's just not as popular. I don't know. I just, I used to watch like, Oh, watch big Monday or whatever it was. And I I just don't do that anymore. Like I don't really watch college basketball outside of like the team that I cover. not even watch that all the time. Just watch every once in a while. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's weird. It just seems like it's, you know, college football's maybe becoming more regionalized, but still as popular as ever. And it's just, it doesn't seem to be the same with college basketball. Yeah. I mean, I've tried to answer that same question because I think for me, um, I think it's true that college basketball is down um, just as like a, um, as like a popular spectator sport. Um, I'm sure the numbers on regular season games are down from where they were a decade ago. Uh, but I don't know for me how much of that is also UCLA being just uh, unwatchable dreck for so much of the last decade. Um, because, I mean, honestly, even when I, I would say college basketball was at my adult peak, which was sort of coincided with UCLA being really good, but the Pac-12 was great. I mean, the Lopez twins, USC being pretty good, um, you know, like OJ Mayo, like that whole era. Um even then, I wasn't watching much else besides 
UCLA games. I mean, I wasn't sitting around trying to watch like Michigan Duke. I mean, I would, but I wasn't like really that into it. Um, but it does seem like those kind of big marquee games just aren't as um, national anymore. Um, I think there are still like regions of the country that get very into it. Um, but it just doesn't seem like there's as much um, interest in those games. But I would say the NCAA tournament is still hugely uh, popular. Um, that UCLA Michigan State uh, first four round, I think that was the most the most watched first four game ever. Um, wow. So, I mean, and the first four, I think, has been around for like 10 years now. So that's actually, you know, pretty significant viewership. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a whole lot of problems with college basketball, the personnel, the turnover, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, the product itself compared to the NBA now is, um, you know, you could have made an argument back in like maybe the early 2000s that college basketball was superior in some ways um, because, if you remember early 2000s NBA basketball, it was kind of unwatchable. Um, and that was back before kind of the analytics shift. But it was a lot of just bruising low post play and just, yeah. Um, but the NBA got a lot better. Um, the product got a lot better. Um, they started to figure out, um, you know, what analytics, what what that meant in terms of what where you should be shooting and all that kind of stuff. Um, and college basketball has just kind of remained the same, if not gotten worse, because there's less continuity in teams. Um, but anyway, I filled out a bracket this year, Ryan, because nice. uh, UCLA was in the NCAA tournament, so I cared. I should have. I did, yeah, I have some friends that I was going to do it with. I didn't do it, but I kind of regret it. I didn't, but I mean, you get to see everyone else's bracket burn because of these high seeds. Um, also, beginning of the tournament, there was uh, some social media posts that went crazy. Uh, the The women's NCAA tournament down in San Antonio, their digs were not as anywhere near what they were for the men in Indianapolis. And the NCAA was getting hammered uh, for it. Did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, it looked, the, the thing is, I mean, I, I guess like at the, I don't know, it would never be the same at the professional level either. I, I think it was a real, obvious and kind of the thing is I can understand how it would have happened in like a very honest mistake kind of way, which is um, you have two different people running two different operations because what I was looking at was with the, the women um, the weight room thing was ridiculous. The food thing though, it looked like two different types of catering that was going on. Like it was just, you know, the person in charge might've picked the wrong thing. What I'm saying is I can see how that might have been an honest mistake, but like you've got to have somebody in control who's like, yeah, we can't do that. Like we've got to make sure that it looks it's equal on both sides here Um, because it's the whole college operation. It's you got to you got to make sure that's equal. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're all legitimate critiques um, and uh, it seems like they tried to get it corrected at the last minute. I don't know if they were able to. They outdid it. They it looked like they um, outfitted one of the ballrooms um, that they were going to use for like press conferences and stuff with uh, a bunch of weights. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, that was that was definitely uh, some some inequity there. Yeah, that was weird. I mean, and you know, obviously you get it. There's a lot more eyeballs on the men's tournament than the women's. There's, there's certainly inequities as far as like the kind of money generation and stuff like but that. The but, NCAA, but that's the thing. It's, that was it's the, the distinction same I was going to make is like, okay, I guess 
if you want to make like a pure capital argument, if you were talking about like an NBA tournament or an NBA bubble and a WNBA bubble and like whatever, I still think it's complete dog shit, but okay, fine. But this is the NCAA. Like these, they're, they're kids who are not getting paid to do this. Give them the same treatment. You know, I mean, you're going to make your shitload of money from the NCAA tournament. You're, you're going to make most of the money from the men's tournament. You make a lot of it from the women's tournament. But this is all Title IX stuff. Just make it equal. Make all the, like, bells and whistles around it equal. It, no, exactly. I mean, that, that's why, I was, like, I do get that there's an inequity there as far as the generation of money and stuff. But you're, this is the experience. It's not going to be a great experience for all these players that have to go to another city for three weeks because of the pandemic and all yeah, and that. They can't even go out to eat. They can't do any of the fun right. stuff that you actually do during the NCAA tournament. So you just, just be good and you take care of them. It, 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 it's not like the men have to be in the lap of luxury and the women need to be, you know, uh, uh, one rack of dumbbells. <laughs> yeah, no, and the thing is, it's, like, it's that's a, so stupid. And be and to, to, like really hammer this home. It's objectively like a bad experience for all these kids. Like they're making the most of it. And obviously it's better than not playing. But like they got it like a hole up in a hotel room like the entire time they're there. <laughs> like they're yeah. not doing any sightseeing. They're not doing any of the fan experience stuff that usually happens with all this. Um, like it is such, if you ever get the chance, like going to a final four, especially, but like just going to the NCAA tournament um, venues and, and, you know, for like even just the first couple of rounds, it is so fun. And there's so much life around the city and so much life around the venue and all that kind of stuff. And to have it just be, you know, uh, you got to sit in your hotel room and play a game, then go back with your boxed meal. Like that sucks for them. It yeah. does. So make it as good as you can, NCAA. Exactly. The, the takeaway I get is is sometimes when you know, you're trying to put on a, the the right face, right? Like you're you're going to be politically correct. You're going to be, you know, your girlfriend's breaking up with you, but you're going to just uh, act like it's not that big of a deal. But secretly, what you tell your friends behind the scene is how she was a bitch or blah blah blah, whatever. This and but sometimes whatever your actions like your emotions come out in it and maybe to the the public you're saying the right things, the men the women everything's the same but somewhere behind the scenes someone made these choices that were like, and you just feel like okay we have to have the men's tournament this is the this is what's going to make us all our money, let's let's put this together and and someone was like oh I mean. Why are we even bothering? Like, you just feel like that's what someone was thinking behind the scenes. And, yeah, what, and so it manifested I, into that, you know, like. Yeah. And like, look, would it have ever happened the other way? So that kind of lends credence to your point. I'm just like, I don't know if it's just my general like outlook on things is I generally ascribe stupidity to what other people think is like something nefarious. But yeah. this one. I, I, but now that I'm thinking about it, it would never go the other way. You would yeah. never see men tweeting, oh, this is our weight room. And then the women are in the lap of luxury with like, you know, full on machines and everything. Um, so, yeah, something wasn't right here. Um, but, and but I, I think incompetence probably had a bunch to do with it, too. But there was also well, it's, it's incompetent. It's it. incompetent to do it. To, to be that stupid, like to be, to, to, I mean, it's not just incompetence, like, oh, they had somebody in charge of this who did the wrong thing. It's, it, it's incompetence at the level of, look, you, you can't do that. Like you can't, um, make decisions that way. Like it's an incompetent process that results in you doing something that will be, you know, blasted out on social media because it's obvious inequity between the men and the women. 
Yeah. Uh, but we talked a lot of basketball. Um, real quick. Way more than five minutes than I promised. I know. Who's who's making the run? Like, if you had to say, like. Among the Pac-12 teams? Yeah. So my my early pick was USC. Um, because, again, they are, uh, by the analytics, a top 10-ish team. I'm not, I don't think Andy Anfield's a great coach. So that was kind of the one thing that was holding me back. But Kansas shaped up as a good matchup for the three. And then I thought Oregon had a chance of beating Iowa. Um, I actually have them beating Iowa and then setting up a USC Oregon Sweet 16 matchup, which I thought USC could probably win. Um, so I think USC could make it. I think USC or Oregon could make an Elite Eight. Um, UCLA now. Um, because of by virtue of Abilene Christian uh, getting past Texas, I think UCLA is going to be the most likely Sweet 16 team in the Pac-12. Um, the question is just, I think Alabama's really good. Um, so for UCLA to get into the Elite Eight, I think it would require Maryland knocking off Alabama tomorrow, which isn't outside of the realm of possibility. Um, but I think if I was picking just one Pac-12 team to make a run, uh I'd probably go USC, but Colorado could too. I mean, they're they're another team that's not favored against Florida State, but they probably should be, um, according to the analytics. And then Michigan, they lost one of their key players. I don't know. Colorado could make a real run. Um, I don't know. I, I actually like the setups for basically every Pac-12 team except for Oregon State, and we'll see what they do tonight. I was going to pick Colorado. Just I thought. You know, I didn't. I don't know. I don't know a lot about Florida State, but just the way watching them, the way they're playing, it just seems like there's confidence. Um, you know, the the Loyola Chicago one this morning. What I liked about them is like they were so efficient. Like they, it's like you never. Every possession was like important. It felt like. Do you know what I mean? Like they weren't going to just turn the ball over three or four times in a row. Like you see other teams do. I've seen USC do that. Um, I don't know. Maybe Colorado can get on a run like that where they're just having like efficient possessions every time and they're not going to screw up for like a five minute stretch. And if they can do that, I think they can make a good run. But that, that yeah. seemed like what Loyola Chicago was doing. It's just not, you know, you're not going to score every time. You're not going to get a stop every time. But they didn't have like, you know, three or four silly possessions in a row on either side of the ball. So, yeah. Well, and McKinley Wright is a very, um, he's a very March guard. Uh, he's, you know, your senior guard who's just, you know, not going to make mistakes at that level. And he's the guy who's dominating the ball. Um, so it, it's hard to see a situation where Colorado just gets blown out. Um, like, I think they're going to be competent. Um, they defend and uh, and they play controlled offense. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think they can beat Florida State and then um, Michigan, I, you know, that that. That suddenly shaping up like a more winnable game. Assuming Michigan even gets past LSU, we'll see. Yeah, because the Big Ten's kind of taken it on the chin. Pretty. <laughs> yeah, well, and Michigan lost. Um, what's his face? Uh, uh, livers, livers, livers. I think livers. Uh, he's one of their best players, senior, um, and he's he's out. So. Yeah. I don't know. Could, Should be could good. Get interesting. Could get interesting the next couple of days, everybody. Is this the most basketball talk we've ever had? Probably, I would guess. We've done it a couple of times to about the 20-minute level. Um, so I think this is right in line with our max, but we should probably stop. Yeah, I think we could immediately. stop. Um, there was one other just little note from uh, John Canzano's uh, email that he sends out. And 
There's more pressure on Oregon State's president, F. King Alexander. Um, so he put a column in there, and he said basically it was a terrible hire, uh, saying that he's you know only been on the job for several months and has been rendered ineffective. The OSU Board of Trustees did not fire him uh, last week. They just deliberated for about six hours, and he thinks it's a, a – he called it a weak sauce move by the trustees – they basically just kicked the decision down the road by a couple months. If you remember, we talked about this uh, the last show, you know, Les Miles and that program, the toxicity that was going on there under uh, Alexander's watch. So he's on some sort of probation until June, and they're going to meet again to discuss. Um, so there was a lot of sex assaults that weren't investigated when he was at LSU. They had a football coach preying on young women. Um, he was the guy and Canzano called him the lifeguard on duty when the campus drowned in, in football. So there's some more pressure up there, uh, in Corvallis, but as of now, he is still the president. I don't know if you saw any of that, Dave. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they should fire him. They will eventually, but I guess they're trying to get their ducks in a row. Uh, Kick. but yeah, he, he should be fired, obviously. Kicking the can down the road. All right. You can't have somebody in charge of the university who's, um, has such obvious, poor decision-making in their background. There are tons of, uh, you know, tenured professors with published work who can be presidents of the university. You don't need to have this guy. Just go find somebody else. Gotcha. All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and answer questions back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. David Woods, we are back here on the podcast of champions. Talking all things Pac-12 football, maybe a little basketball. Who knows? Maybe next week we'll talk more basketball if there's like four teams in the Sweet 16. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe we'll just become a basketball podcast. I, we, we, I, I will promise the listeners this. If UCLA makes a Final Four, this will become a basketball podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just don't know enough about basketball to competently talk about. That, but you could argue I don't know enough about football. That, that will not matter, Ryan. I will I will railroad this podcast into what it needs to be at that point. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Well, we have a couple of voicemails. You want me to start with one, and then we can get to we'll do a few uh, emails and get back to the other voicemails. That work for you? What the hell? Why not? So you only in, live once. In true POC fashion. Didn't listen to either one of these. Don't know what they are. Hopefully, they're not too naughty, and uh, they're comp- they're they're what we want here. But we'll, I'll play f- the first one for you. Here you go. What's up, guys? This is Evan from Tempe. Um, I called last week, but uh, it seemed like the voicemail quality you couldn't really hear. 
So hopefully it goes all this time. Uh, you guys kind of tried to answer my question, but that wasn't exactly what I was asking. I, I appreciate that. It was a good conversation. But um, what I was asking was, so I found out a couple months ago, I didn't know about it until now, Chase Garver said that he thinks he's the best quarterback in the Pac-12, which is probably the worst take I've heard all offseason. So I just kind of want to know, you know, am I, am I wrong for some reason? You know, I just don't really, he's primed for a big year and I don't know it or something, or is he just wrong? Because I just don't, I don't think he's right at all. Um, I would say that I, don't, I don't even think he's better than Jaden Daniels or DTR. I mean, I think Flores is the best. I know David said he thinks Daniels is the best, but either way, I mean, I don't really see how Garbers is really up there based off these last couple of years. I know he showed a lot of potential in 2019, but definitely not 20. So just kind of want to know what you guys think about that. So thank you. Um, great question. Uh, he was obviously the MVP of the league uh, in 2019. Yes. Because um, when he was in there, they won. And when he was out of there, they did not win. Um, no, I mean, obviously he's not close to the best quarterback in the league. But all these guys, I mean, look, I don't think you can play quarterback um, at like a major college level and not think that you are the best quarterback in the history of the world. Like all these guys have got to have like a level of athletic arrogance. If you're going to like be that visible playing that sort of position. So you got to respect it. Also maybe a good idea to just keep it to yourself. Like generally, like you can think that maybe don't like go telling people that you're, you think you're the best, but no, of course, Chase Garbers thinks that. And, of course, you know, whoever uh, probably thinks that. Jaden Delora up at Washington State probably thinks that. Uh, all these dudes think that. Um, and that's kind of what they need in their makeup to, you know. Dude, like, if I if I played quarterback at, like, the, the college level and I threw an interception and it was a bad one, right? Like, one of those ones where it was, like, I'm trying to throw and I don't even see the dude and then he returns it for a touchdown. I would just never play the game, the game again. Like I would just walk off the field, uh, probably walk <laughs> into the tunnel and just leave the stadium. I'd be like, no, sorry, I'm not doing that again. That sucked. I, I don't want to experience that. That felt like somebody punched me in the stomach and nobody even hit me. I don't want to do that. Um, but that's why I don't do that. I mean, among, among millions of other reasons, that's why I don't do that. You got to have some level of like, um, real athletic arrogance bordering on like uh, not even a realistic assessment of anything bordering on reality uh, to play that position, to be at like the highest level of athletics. All these dudes think they are, you know, super elite. And that's part of why they've risen as high as they have. Um, you got to have that mentality. Yeah. I, I, you know, me, I love me some chase Garbers, but no, he's not the best quarterback in the pac 12. Um, he was a stud in 2019. I know the Bo Baldwin offense wasn't always great, but you know he, he seemed to be. It seemed to work when he was in there. Didn't really work the same. Uh, Bill Musgrave I, was Musgrave even working before he came to Cal. He was he was like an offensive coordinator in the NFL like 2018. So he might have a year or two off. Or what are something. you asking? Was he like busking? Was he like singing <laughs> tunes on the street? What are you saying? I'm not sure, but it was you know it just it. That was a questionable hire, I think. Um, you know, it's a COVID year. They didn't get to play their opener against Washington. They didn't get to play their second game against Arizona State. Had a you know rescheduled one against UCLA and just got creamed in that one. Uh, they did beat Oregon though, so that was the only game they won. Um, but a lot of COVID cancels for Cal. The offense did not look uh, great. You know, they only scored ten points against UCLA. Um, you know. The, the win against Oregon, they scored 21, so the defense did a lot there. We'll see. I, I hope he can bounce back and have a, a better year. 
2021. But, you know, combination of offensive coordinator and just things never really got rolling for Cal. Uh, it's tough to call Chase Garbers <laughs> the top quarterback in the Pac-12, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you want to start? Which email are we starting with? I thought there was another voicemail. Oh, there you want to do. Oh, let's do, okay. We'll do it back to back. Let's knock them out. Here we go. Next one. Hey, what's up guys? It's perk. Um, I know with, uh, some of the past episodes, there's been uh, some questions as regards to rule changes, um, with punting. Um, and I had one, uh, specifically with, um, roughing the punter. Um, and I was wondering what you guys thought, uh, what you guys, what your thoughts are on the penalty and a potential change. Um, I personally don't really think it should be as big of a penalty as it is with 15 yards and automatic first down. Um, I either think, you know, you should be allowed to, to go for the block and, and if you accidentally hit him, you, you know, it's not a penalty or it's less than five yards simply because I've yet to see a punter get hurt on the, on any of those plays. And on top of it, I think if it's, uh, if it's really that dangerous for the punter to be interfered with, um, and they should just not allow the players to even attempt a block. I was wondering what your guys' thoughts are on that penalty and if they should make any changes to that moving forward. Thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Perk. Mm. Not a punter mm. fan. Mm. Perk wow. just wants the punters to get decked. Well, they, so, they have a five-yard version. There's a five-yard and a 15-yard version. They almost never call the 15-yarder anymore. It's yeah. almost always the five-yarder. It's basically if you hit the dude's leg when it's in the air, so he's exposed, you see the guy spin around or something, that's going to be a 15-yarder. Yeah, or if you, like, full-on just, like, form tackle him. Um, <laughs> right. But if you um, get the piece of the ball and you get the punter, that's okay. So I got to say, I, I don't have any strong feelings one way or the other. Um, I do think if you suddenly freed it up um, for the dudes to just hit him with impunity— uh, it would suddenly result in a lot of injuries because he's trying to perform a very skilled action while, um, you know, somebody's coming at him hard. And, you know, they've got all those rules about where you can hit quarterbacks now um, for the exact same reason, because they have to do something that involves not preparing to get hit um, while somebody is bearing down on them about to hit them. So, like, they've got to plant their feet in such a way that if you hit them when they've got their foot planted low, like they're going to blow their knee out um, because that's just the way they have to do it to, to throw the ball um, with punting. It's similar. I mean, they've got to take their steps and then that final one, they're putting a lot of weight and pressure on that one leg. And if you have impunity to hit them, um, there's going to be some knees blown out. Um, so I don't think you can just uh, take away all the rules against it. Um but then to your point, then why even allow them to hit it, hit them at all? Well, why do we allow this sport? Like, really, at the end of the day, because um, it's a lot of hitting of people, a lot of injuries. Like, what are we doing? Come on. It's got to hurt. I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> it's a, Look, all of football rules are a negotiation of, look, part of what we're all watching this for is, yeah, we can talk ourselves about strategy and all that kind of stuff, but we're also talk, watching it because we like to see people get hit. Um, and it's an outlet for that. And a lot of the rules are negotiations against, uh, between, okay, what's the acceptable level of violence on this individual play. Um, and I think they've negotiated it pretty well with punting. Um, the acceptable level of violence is if you can hit the ball while you are hitting the guy, it's completely fair. Um, but if you can't, well, it's going to be a call. So it makes 
the situation such that unless the ball gets fumbled, unless the punter is slow to kick it, uh, he's not going to get hit. Um, and I think that's that's fair. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't have an issue with the rule, uh, Perk. I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, there's not a lot of injuries, but I think mostly because of the rule. Um, so you could say, oh, there's not been a lot of accidents. Let's just remove the speed limits. Like, then there might be a lot more accidents <laughs> if you take the speed limits away. I think, like David said, there'd probably be some serious injuries if you allowed it. And if you've ever watched a college, you know, any football team practice special teams, they usually have uh, some interesting drills. Um, a lot of special teams coordinators will on on you know the angles that you would take to block the punt when you're you're uh, protecting uh, the punter. I mean, if you there's a certain point where you can force a guy wide enough that they're not going to be able to take the right angle. That if they do try to block the punt, they're probably going to run into the punter. Um, they'll use different like I've seen them use like soccer balls or volleyballs as things that you're kicking and trying to block. They'll do some different things um, to make sure your technique is is correct. I think there's a lot of technique involved in protection and also, you know, the 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 art of trying to block a punt. But it's tough because it's one of those situations where you're making, you know, you're running as fast as you can. You're, someone's trying to hit you and push you out of the way, and you know, you're off by a fraction of you know the angle you thought, and you could be running right into the dude as opposed to, uh, you know, getting your hands on the ball. And we've seen it times where guys are, you know, diving. It looks like they got the perfect angle and the ball goes through their arms or whatever. They just somehow don't block it. But you're right. If you do get it, then you can like tumble into the guy and it doesn't matter. Uh, but I, Perk, I wouldn't say I have an issue with, with this rule. I think it's probably good to protect the, the punters like you do. And it's still, you're going to get exciting enough plays when a punt block comes. It's a pretty exciting play. So I'm, I'm cool with the level of normal execution. Punt gets off. Nothing really happens. Every once in a while you get a penalty and every once in a while you get a really exciting punt block that someone does something cool with. Yeah, I think it's totally fine. Um, all right. I think our first email is team sponsorships from Paul. Yeah, sounds good. All right. This is from Paul Webfoot. Uh, champions, I have another one for you. Apparently the Michigan State Spartans are becoming the Michigan State Spartans sponsored or presented by Rocket Mortgage. That may be worse than Haynes sponsoring the pack. As a lifelong Oregonian who refuses to call the Rose Garden by the sponsored moniker, moniker the Moda Center, I fear for other college football teams getting the same treatment. Stadiums and bowl games is one thing, but to sell team naming rights is just crazy to me. I have no problem with the Nike U nickname for my Ducks, but even then I wouldn't be psyched about them officially becoming the University of Oregon Ducks presented by Nike. So in order to greet the incoming madness, I want you to I want you to each pick a company to add presented by XYZ to each pack team. Use any criteria you want, but no athletic apparel companies, and you can't use other sports associated things like Gatorade. It must be absurdly unrelated like Rocket Mortgage. <laughs> Thank you for keeping me sane for one to two hours once a week, usually. Thanks, okay. Paul. Forever yours, Paul Webfoot. Okay. So the Michigan State UCLA game, did they use the, I don't know. I don't. I don't listen to stuff like that. But yes, I'm sure they did. Um, okay, but let's do this. All right. We've been we've been called it. We've been called once again to do something stupid. So we must now uh, acquiesce. Um, okay. Where should we start? Uh, let's go Pacific Northwest. Let's do, we'll we'll work our way down. All right. Okay. Washington. I think Boeing. Right or Amazon. Is that a little too on the nose? I mean, I guess, do we want it to not make sense? Or, or we, like, Washington Huskies presented by 
the uh, Boeing Aircraft Company. How about that? Boeing Aircraft Company? Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Is that what they call themselves? Boeing? Sure. Okay. I don't know. Give some crap. Uh, Washington State Cougars. Yeah. Um, Washington State presented Washington State Cougars presented by what's that bar there? Oh, the Coug. So, presented what? by the Coug. Um, <laughs> My favorite bar. Yeah. Presented Is by Berkshire, like... Berkshire Hathaway. I'm going to say Washington State presented by Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> okay. He's a Nebraska guy, though. That's like a yeah, Omaha but it's company. proximate, right? Like they're uh, Pullman's close to the Great Plains, right? Sure. <laughs> Okay, but it's also funny because it's Pullman presented by Berkshire. Anyway, what about like it's um, funny to me? It's right on the Idaho border. What about like you know presented by Russet Potatoes or Idaho Potatoes or something? Mm, I like Berkshire Hathaway. Okay, that's my my pick. Okay, Uh, Oregon Ducks. um, Okay, so he doesn't want it to be athletic apparel. So no Nike for Oregon. Yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, obviously Disney presented by Disney. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Cause you had Donald duck. I like that. That's great. Okay. Um, for the, uh, Oregon state beavers, Oregon state about, beavers presented by the Hoover dam. Uh, <laughs> wow. For the beavers. I got something like, Oh, uh, Oregon state beavers presented by the Tennessee Valley authority. Okay. They yeah. control the uh Yeah, no, they control uh, uh hydroelectric water uh, production yeah. in the uh in the Tennessee Valley, among other places. Mm. Um all right. California Sturdy Golden Bears presented by uh you wanted to go political, like uh oh, God. Uh the, the American Socialist Party or something. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know, what, what, yeah, yeah presented by the Democratic Socialists of America. Okay. <laughs> um, Stanford Cardinal presented by. It's got to be like the San Francisco Yacht Club. Presented by Enron. Enron. <laughs> Enron. Okay. <laughs> they could do Facebook. Do Facebook maybe or something. I guess. No, I, I'm going to go with Enron. Okay. <laughs> Stanford's Stanford's rep as like a as a force for even like mild is is really taking a hit in the last year. I'm going to say force for rep general. Evil Enron. Um, uh, UCLA Bruins uh, presented by. Uh, would Didi Reese be okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, because my whole theory on Didi Reese is that it's a drug front. That's the only oh. way they can afford to sell those and have like 15 people working at any given time and sell those for like a buck is that it's just, they're just moving meth. Um, so yeah, okay, UCLA presented by Didi Reese. Uh, um, it's a great cookie company in Westwood for people that don't know, but they sell cookies for like a quarter. Like you get a ice cream there's sandwich. Always, there's always like 15 people working. Um, yeah. And huge lines. And like the ice cream sandwich is like a buck 50 or something. It's crazy. Yeah, it's but they're so good. Um, USC US- Trojans. I mean, you can go the obvious presented by Trojan. Oh, I guess. Yeah. You could do condoms. Tro- condoms. Yeah. Uh, uh, USC Trojans presented by. What's another really awful like financial institution presented by Fannie Mae? Oh, like Anderson Consulting that they went under or something like that. You could do, or yeah, Fannie Mae's still around, right? Uh, yeah. Or what's the Arthur really predatory? Anderson. 
Arthur Anderson. Like they, they were one of those. I think they folded, right? I think that accounting. What was Bernie Madoff's company name? Oh. Oh, presented by the Bernard L. Madoff Investment Securities LLC. <laughs> okay, that works. <laughs> um, Colorado Buffaloes, presented by. Mm. Mm. I mean, like, like, what's one of the big ski like? Uh, Ski Park City or something like that. Yeah, sure. I'm sure there's something better. Or not not Park City. That's Utah. Uh, what's the where's the like the fancy? What are those? The, I'm not a big skier, but whatever one of those things. Are. I don't know, man. You're you're barking up the wrong tree here. <laughs> uh, Colorado Buffaloes. What's a good beef company? Hmm. I don't know. Uh. Hmm. All Sponsored right. by Mastro's. Done. All right. Um, Utah Utes presented by. Got anything for me? No. Uh, they could be Park City. They could, you know, like Park City Travel uh, or whatever Tourism Authority or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or what's the uh, what's uh, what's the film festival that they do there? Oh, um, God, it's the one that Robert Redford did. Yeah. How's it called? Oh, God, you're going to make me look something up. Sundance. Sundance Film Festival. Done. All right. Arizona (laughs) State, presented by the library? The library? Well, the the bar. The bar in uh, the bar. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, Arizona State. Mill Mill Ave, right? Arizona State Sun Devils, presented by... Uh, oh, University Jesus. of Phoenix. Great. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Arizona Wildcats presented by. Uh, you want to do like the United States Border Patrol or something? Like that? <laughs> ooh, ooh, no, no. <laughs> it gets into some dark territory. Dang. Um, they're close to the border, right? I think Tucson is. Yeah, Tucson's pretty close. Yeah. Um, you do, I, uh, you do run into some border patrol around there. Um, Indian game, like what's the Indian casino nearby? Yeah, but that's more North Arizona. That's more oh, Northern yeah. Arizona. Um, that'd be more if we were going Northern Arizona University or, or even ASU to an extent. Tucson, Tucson, um, a lot of Adobe. Lot of, mm. Oh, presented by Adobe. Great. Done. <laughs> Okay. All right. That was brutal, Paul. Don't ever do that to us again. That was tough. Uh, all right. So this is a Hitler Day one. Securitas a securis. Is that how you say that? I don't know. Uh, Pac-12... Sure. Check it out. Pac-12 coaches going to be cut up into three categories. You got Durrell, Fish, Lake, and Rolovich, who are higher this year or in the last year's uh, weird short season. Helton, Shaw, and Whittingham, who've been around for eight-plus years. And then Cristobal, Edwards, Kelly, Smith, and Wilcox, who were hired in 2018 or 2017 at Cal, have put in a few years and own the roster and staff. All right, so based on that, he has three questions. Or do you want to – what was the uh... – I It doesn't have a direct translation that I can find easily, so I'm not doing it. Okay. <laughs> Something about security. I don't know. It was, yeah. it's Probably uh, job security. 
right? Probably he's going with here. So the first question, uh, this is the year the third group has to prove they're cut out for the job, right? Do you boys think that if they don't win their division in 2021 or come damn close, let's say a missed field goal away, they're never going to? Or did COVID take so much of a hatchet to their plans that they should be cut some slack and we ask again next year? So is it prove it year for Crystal Ball, uh, Edwards, Kelly, Smith, and Wilcox, what do you what do you think, David? I don't think Cristobal needs to prove it this year um, because they already. I mean, they, he already has a Rose Bowl winning program there. Yeah, right? they won it. Um, so I I think they could not win the division this year, and it would be fine. Um, you know, I think Oregon obviously has greater expectations than, for instance, Cal or Oregon State. Um, but they've already done it, so he's bought some goodwill. Um, for Herm and Chip Kelly, I think that it, it's much more true um, that each of them might need to uh, come damn close to winning the division if they don't actually win it. Uh, Justin Wilcox is the one I don't, and I don't think Jonathan Smith is in any danger. I think everyone can kind of see that he's building something there, um, or looks to be building something there. Obviously, if this year is a complete, you know, they go pear shaped, then maybe it suddenly looks a little bit different. But for now. Um, I don't think he's in any danger. Justin Wilcox is the one I don't have a good feel for. Like, what are Cal expectations right now? Um, Because that program, I think, is stable. I think it's been stabilized by Wilcox. Um, But are they going to be a top-tier team under him? I really have my doubts. I think the coaching changes he's made have been subpar. Um, But the program's probably going to be relatively stable. Um, You know, he's instilled a a decent enough defensive structure. I, I don't know, but I don't know. How, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't have a good feel for Cal and, and their decision makers about if he didn't come close to winning the division in this year, if that would be enough to oust him. Uh, I just uh, I, I, I know that was probably true for ASU and UCLA. Um, I, I think Herm's probably got a little bit more time than Chip, uh, but I just don't know about Cal. Yeah, I, I would think he's probably I don't think the expectations are that he's got to try to win the division, especially with the way. You know, you're in there with Oregon and Washington. They, but you know, they beat Oregon last year. If they're close, I don't think it have to be a missed field goal away. I don't think he's in any kind of danger. I think Kelly's in the most danger, but they they seem to be on a positive trajectory. So yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I, I wouldn't look at that group and go, man, they all got to prove themselves this year. So I, I probably wouldn't categorize them that way. Yeah. Question two: Is anybody miscategorized? I'm particularly interested in your thoughts on how much. Lake owns the situation at Washington since there's so much uh, continuity and he hired both coordinators already. Should he or anyone else be in that third category instead? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Lake has a ton of goodwill um, up there in Seattle. Just like taking the temperature of the fans that I follow on Twitter and just kind of the general tenor around a lot of his coaching hires and, the personnel stuff going on with the program with guys leaving. Um, I don't think he has a ton of goodwill. Um, so I think it's going to be, I think the honeymoon is completely over and it's a question of just, you know, how long he's going to get to get it back to Chris Peterson's, you know, his best level. Um, so I, maybe it's like a different category for him. Cause I don't think he's in any danger of getting fired next year. Um, but I think if he doesn't have a credible showing, because that Washington team, 
You know, looking at it, um, with what they return and the schedule and everything, they should be pretty good next year. Um, if they're not, I think he's suddenly set up for um, a huge show-me year in uh, 2022. Because um, I don't think they're going to fire him after next year. But if it's bad, or if they're 6-6 six and six or whatever, then uh, it sets up 2020, 2022 as absolute must-win for him to keep his job. Yeah, I would agree with you. And it, it's hard to say anyone's miscategorized since it's really just broken up by how long you've been on the job. But of that first group, you know, I don't think Darrell or Fish or Rolovich are in any kind of danger. I don't I don't necessarily think Lake is, but like you said, the honeymoon period's over. He's closer to, you know, his leash is shorter, I would say, than those other guys, um, just from, you know, what the expectations are there. And like we said before, you know, Nothing's going to happen to Whittingham or Shaw unless they want it to happen or they do something horrible off the field, which don't think would happen. You know, Clay Helton been on the hot seat for years. And, you know, so I think they, I think it's still the USC UCLA jobs that are the ones that have the highest chance of some sort of turnover happening. But of that first group, I agree with you. I think Lake is the one on the, the thinnest ice, if uh, no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, and then question three, uh, that's around six coaches who've had their jobs long enough uh, that they should be expected to win their division, but mathematically cannot. Well, what should happen to them? Is December of 2021 going to be the season of the Axe? I, I, I don't think so. I think, like I said, those two guys could potentially get fired if, after the season, but I don't. I don't see any other changes happening, even if Lake has a terrible year. If if Herm, if ASU had a really bad year, maybe. But I I think just, again, kind of taking the temperature of everything over there, it would have to be so bad. Um, Because I think generally people are still, you know, semi-believing in ASU um, and bought into the Jaden Daniels kind of youth movement on that offense. So I think um, he still has time. Uh, I don't think Chip Kelly or Clay Helton have much time left. Um, I think they're kind of in the, you got to win something big or you're, you're out. Um, maybe a little bit more for Clay than for Chip. I think Chip might, you know, if they win seven or eight, he might be safe. I don't know if Clay's going to be safe with seven or eight. Um, and the other ones, I just, I don't think Jonathan Smith is in any danger of getting fired. Um, I, the one I, the wild card for me again is Justin Wilcox. I just don't have a good feel for that one. Um, and then David Shaw, uh, we hear enough that Stanford is probably not going to go away from him, but I just, if they continue to kind of circle the drain, I just, there's gotta be, a, I know there are only like eight fans of Stanford football, but at least like six of them are very wealthy. They've got to be a little bit pissed off after a while. Um, so, you know, they got used to a certain standard and it's dropped quite a bit. So I, I don't know. Maybe that's like kind of a wild card um, as well. But I would say the ones who are in real danger are Helton and Kelly. And then you could make an argument for Wilcox, Edwards and Shaw. Um, but everyone else, I think, is perfectly safe. I think with. The issue with Herm Edwards is that because there was like an outside the box deal and Ray Anderson, like they really went in a different direction with what they were going there, just to how they've set up the entire football program. I think he's got to have more rope, even if it's a pretty bad year, because then they would, the, the, the administrators would be admitting 
that they made a mistake. Like this, this new way of doing things isn't the right way. So I think you get a little more time when you're trying to do something new like that. So I, yeah, I still think it's, it's Kelly or Helton or, uh, yeah. uh, or, or Clay. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right. Uh, okay. So this is Robert from Texas. Another March tournament, Ryan and David, who would win in a fight among the PAC 12 mascots? I've seated a tournament bracket for you. We have done this so many times. We have. So many times. Okay, so let's just let's critique the bracket. So he's got four first round buys. So it's a twelve seeded tournament, obviously. Four first round buys. He has his buys, which um, I I've got to say I vehemently disagree with these buys. He has one the Trojan. Number one, the number one seed is a dude wearing armor with a sword. Yeah, it seems okay. a little. Generous to the yeah. yeah. The guy. Let's see him go against a bear with his friggin' little stabby pointy thing. The bear will eat him alive. Number two is the Bruin, uh, which I again a Bruin in my estimation is a bear from mythology with lasers for eyes. So I don't think number two really suffices. But fine. Three is a cougar, which is a cat. You've got a cat number three. They're still pretty big ass cats, but yeah. whatever. Is it gonna fight a golden bear and win? I don't know. We, if they, we'll have to see what okay. the matchup is. Well, here's the thing. Here's the, here, just fundamentally. Trojan uh, is a one seed. A Ute is number nine. A Ute has to play in to play the Trojan. What an absolutely Eurocentric mindset from this. Because that <laughs> Ute would absolutely mess up a Trojan. Just completely own them. Just, anyway, complete trash. Four is a Buffalo. That's fine. Um, so here's what we have. Uh, he's got the play in games to beat these, uh, top four seeds as Ute versus a sun devil, a sun devil, literally a magical being is an eight seed here. Yeah. That seems a little, no matter what you're like, if you're going to believe just to, you know, at face value, this has to be, I think the sun devil has to be the number one seed, but yeah, it's, it's magical. It, we don't know what it can do. It may not be able to be killed. So I got the Sun Devil advancing over the Ute. Yeah, the Sun Devil obviously beats the Ute, but then it obviously beats the Trojan too. Well, we're, we're, let's do the okay, first round. Okay, first. all right, fine, 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 fine. Sun, yeah, Devil, Sun beats Devil beats the Ute. Sun Devil going into the, the second round or the All right, then you got a Husky that. versus a Beaver. Beaver's number 12, which is absolutely shocking to me because if you stacked up a Beaver against a tree, guess what? The Beaver's friggin' winning. You want to know yeah. why? Because the tree can't do anything. Trees don't do anything. They just stand there. They like just leak sap. They cry basically while you're beavering on them. No. I I think there's a couple good matchups for the beaver. Uh, obviously, the tree would be the best matchup. This is, but the beaver's matched up with the husky. The husky eats the beaver. <sighs> and doesn't bat an eye doing it. I don't know if it's that straightforward. I think. The beaver can, with those claws, I mean, I think they could do some damage to the husky. But I would put the husky going forward. Uh, okay. It's a it's a beautiful dog. But beavers can be pretty nasty. All right, so duck versus a tree. So this is where it gets interesting to me, because what will the duck be able to do against the tree? Yeah. Um, because the tree just standing there may be able to kill the duck if the duck is very stupid and keeps <laughs> flying into the tree. I was thinking that this might be one of those ones where it's like a no contest and you do COVID canceled. 
And it just... I'm going to say the tree advances because it's the top seed. Okay. All right. A, a duck, a, a duck would would have been my 12 seed. What the hell is a duck going to do to anybody? It's a duck. Yeah. A tree can land on you. A duck, if it landed on you, you'd be like, oh wow, it's a bird. <laughs> All, All right. right. Then, then seven ten, and this is this is absolute just batshit craziness to me. A golden bear versus a wildcat. Like mm-hmm. obviously the golden bear advances, but what's the golden bear doing there at number seven? So what what's the definition of a golden bear? Like it's a where, big black bear, a big California black bear. It's a black bear. Okay. Yeah. Right. Not a grizzly, but, but a it's black. it's a cat. They're going against a cat, like just a cat. A wild cat. Yeah, like a wild cat is a lot like a smaller, I believe, than a cougar. Like a cougar yeah. is like more like badass kind of thing than Whatever, a wild cat. Whatever, they're both yeah. cats. All right. I'm not You're talking not a tigers cat and lions. They're both like just medium-sized cats. Whatever. Okay. Okay. So, all right, so we've got – yeah, yeah. All right. So our, our, our one seed then takes on a sun devil. The Trojan takes on the sun devil. The sun devil obviously wins right. because the sun devil – is a magical creature and the Trojans lost to some goddamn Greeks, right? Mm. Like the, the, the Trojans were so stupid that they let a bunch of Greeks ride a horse, like a, get inside of a horse as a gift and then murder them all by letting them into their city. Very stupid, um, very medieval, uh, definitely wouldn't stack up. Not, not even medieval, very, very bronze age. And certainly wouldn't stack up against a uh, against a magical creature. So, so the magical sun devil is in the final four. Yeah. Then you've got a husky versus a buffalo. Yeah. Unfortunately, the buffalo would rock the husky's world, I believe. Yeah, buffaloes are rocking basically everyone's world. Like, those things are mean creatures, and they are hard to bring down. Uh, husky I, would give up a good fight. They'd give a good fight, but the buffalo is advancing. I just saw some bison in person uh, on my hike. Uh, okay. over in Catalina. So there was one, I woke up one morning in our, one of the campsites and I'm like in my tent hearing this kind of like mooing sort of sound or whatever. Like, so, and I'm like, is there a freaking Buffalo outside? And I, I look out and there's a Buffalo just grazing or bison just grazing, uh, you know, a few feet away. <laughs> okay. They're big. They're, uh, yeah. And they, and we, we were, there was one on a trail and I went up to take a picture I don't know how far I was maybe 20 feet away. And it like, it scampered up like this hill. Uh, it was pretty light on its feet. I was like, man, this thing, those things are, uh, yeah, there's some danger there. So the Buffalo definitely beats the Husky. Yeah. All right. So Buffalo advances to the final four. Uh, Cougar will have to take on a tree. Yeah. I think the Cougar wins cause it's got teeth. So it can eventually gnaw the tree down and then and it just got to get out of the way when it falls. It could climb the tree. It could. Do, it could literally climb yeah, the tree. No, like and, a cat's not going to be bothered by a tree. They're they're very light on their feet. So even the tree using the strategy of killing itself and falling, uh, the cat more than likely is going to get out of the way, and then the tree can no longer do anything since it's dead. So, uh, got to go with the the cougar. Yeah. I real quick. I feel like we had someone. This is a bracket HQ thing. I think someone brought this up like last year during the tournament. Like we made some brackets for other stuff. I feel like this was just a complete random seating. I don't think this there was any thought. This, this was not a good. This is not a good seating. I um, think it's random seatings. Yeah. So Cougar advances uh, to the final four, and then you've got the Golden Bear versus the Bruin. So two bears, but again, Edge goes to the one with lasers for eyes. So we're going with the Bruin here. 
Okay. Right. All right. So final four, you've got a Sun Devil versus a Buffalo and a Cougar versus a Bruin. Mm. So on the top end, uh, uh, again, I, I love a good Buffalo, but it's a frigging magical creature, a Sun Devil. Mm. Right? Yeah. I'm going yeah. Sun Devil. Going to the final. Got to go Sun Devil there. Uh, then on the bottom end, you've got a cougar versus a bear with laser eyes. Even if it was yeah. a bear without laser eyes, the bear is winning that that fight. I do like myself some cougars, but uh, I'm going to take the bear on this one, yeah. Right. So the Bruin versus the Sun Devil. Again, two magical creatures in my estimation. I understand that there is a theory that Bruins are, in fact, just baby bears. I am not consenting to that. I am saying it is a bear <laughs> with laser eyes. Even still, a sun devil is a, a, a magical creature, completely magical, not just lasers for eyes, but its entire essence is magical. It may or may not be able to be killed. So the sun devil advances, sun devil wins it all. Right. I got, I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. The only, you know, I'm giving you some creative liberty there with the, the lasers for eyes. <laughs> not a but whatever, bear. like Bruin but, versus what, Golden Bear. One of the two is advancing past that and it's the bear that's going to the, fi- to the final matchup. Yeah, I would say so. And then... Uh, but the Sun Devil has got to win. So for the Sun Devil to be a nine seed just didn't make a lot of sense. No. But I think it was random, like you're saying. Yeah. But we've done that one before. Okay. Uh, this one's majors uh, from John, David, and Ryan. At UCLA, most of the business majors are impacted along with communications. You would need to have a 3.6 plus GPA in your GEs to get into those majors. I'm sure that this is the same for uh, I'm sure this is the same for different schools and similar majors. And that is part of the reason that the players end up with the strange sounding majors. That's from John. Yeah. So definitely true. But um, the point I was making um, and I looked it up afterwards, so I wasn't completely talking out of my butt. Uh, UCLA, their undergraduate business is not really an undergraduate business degree. They attach it to economics. So it's undergraduate business economics, which is much more heavily economics than it is business. USC, for example, has just an undergraduate business degree. Um, A lot of schools have an undergraduate business degree. UCLA doesn't. UCLA has this one that's attached to economics. So it's very, very, very math heavy. Um, And that makes it daunting um, for even just general students, let alone athletes who have to, you know, really fine-tune their schedules um with all the tutoring they have to do so um i I can't even remember what our initial talk was about this like exactly but um that was the distinction for ucla and i'm sure some of the other schools as well yeah all right thanks for that john uh all right this is from paul Hello, boys, and I will do you the service of reading your second email, which includes corrections. Uh, Dave is constantly demeaned by you silly conservatives due to his on-point political opinions. Let me offer him some backup. If Dave were to run for president, he'd have my vote. Living in a world without the 1% pulling the strings would be heaven on earth. We'd perpetually have only 99 percenters. They correctly say that true communism has never been tried. Well, why not give it a shot? We all know that capitalism doesn't work. Look at America, selfish, poor, underprivileged. Ugh. Instead, let's look at some mostly successful socialist movements. One, last week an emailer criticized Cuba. It's so quaint. You go there and everyone has classic cars from the 1950s. (laughs) Two, Russia was working out quite nicely until that whole Berlin Wall crap let those freedom-loving right-wingers into the utopia of East Berlin. With their oppressive hate for blacks and homosexuals, they immediately ruined it. What are we saying? I 
I think there's sarcasm font going on some of those. Yeah, but I don't even know what he's saying. Uh, Russia was working out quite nicely until that whole Berlin Wall crap let those freedom-loving right-wingers into the utopia of East Berlin with their oppressive hate for... Okay, whatever. Three, speaking of Germany, I know what you conservatives are thinking. Nazism was a socialist movement. No, if only you were educated enough to listen to CNN, you'd know... Okay, so we're just saying stupid things now? I think we're just saying stupid things. Okay, yeah, Nazism was a far-right movement. Are we, oh, I'm not doing this. Uh, <laughs> sure, Laos and Vietnam are... Okay. While the U.S. is a glutton, Venezuela has a... Okay. To be fair, Dave, I agree that there's a massive power wealth imbalance. The ties between the wealthy and lawmakers... So, Paul, friend to friend, if you're going to do the sarcasm thing, just make sure you're not saying things that are wrong. Like, you're trying to do the sarcasm thing where... Nazism was not was a socialist movement that, that you think is true. You think Nazism was a socialist movement because and and I'm saying this with just friendly friendly response. That's my tone right now. You're saying that because the word socialist was in the title. There's lots of things that have things in the title that don't actually mean that thing. Nazism is a fascist movement, which is as far right as you can get. Um so just Please, just if you're going to do the sarcasm thing, at least be right. You got to be right to do the sarcasm thing. Anyway, to be fair, Dave, I agree that there's a massive power wealth imbalance. The ties between the wealthy and lawmakers oppress the middle and lower classes by unethically crowding out competition. However, I do not believe redistribution to be the answer. Instead, I believe true capitalism to be the answer, which is almost as difficult to achieve as true communism. That being said, I believe one step toward capitalism does much more good than one step towards socialism, communism, in addressing all inequalities, wealth, race, gender, etc. I understand many of my comments have left large gaps in omissions for David to fill and Ryan to be apathetic toward as a typical conservative, so go ahead and fill as you see fit. I sincerely enjoy listening to the POC, even though it completely sucks and I disagree with most everything that is said, except for the tiny bit about football and fourth down attempts. Maybe we should try the Indianapolis David Woods instead. Would he better represent my libertarian ways? Uh, football question. Ryan, you mentioned that both Puka and Samson Nakua are headed for BYU. You cited family reasons. If you know and it's not too private, what's the story there? As a Utah man, this especially hurts. Yeah, I do not know. Uh, I haven't really dug into that one yet. I don't know if you've heard anything, David. We could try to find out, but uh, I, I'm sorry, Paul. I don't know the, the real reason behind all that. Don't know, don't care. Ryan, you're a stud muffin. <laughs> Paul Hancock. <laughs> Uh, P.S. To be clear, spring is obviously the best season. You complain that it's a little too bright and sunny after being dark and gloomy for a while. What? I am currently working, emailing the POC from outside on my deck while the beautiful sunshine brightens up my soul. Bees are out. Grass is turning green. Flowers will soon be blossoming. It's gorgeous. Sure. P.P.S. This email isn't long enough. You two should compare the Pac-12 coaches to the 12 months of the year. <laughs> okay, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything worthwhile to say in these bullet points or if it's all just weird bullshit. Um, no, making fun of Venezuela starving because of our sanctions isn't fun. Uh, okay. Weird things about Southeast Asia that don't make sense. I don't I still don't really know what he's going after with the Berlin Wall thing. And yeah, Cuba. Okay. All right. Well, this is all very stupid stuff. So um, work on it next time. Come back with a better email. <laughs> Maybe not as long. Um, I think that's it. I think that's all we got. Wow. What a bad note to end this on. That's um, okay. It's fine. 
It's fine. It's a Sunday show, you know. It is a Sunday show. Uh, um, we've got uh, more basketball tonight. It's gonna be great. We do. Got more basketball tomorrow. It's gonna be great. We're gonna become a basketball show. That's gonna be great too. I don't think we're gonna become a basketball show, um, but I think we can talk more basketball. I mean, as long as the Pac-12 is doing well, if the Pac-12's shits the bed, then we'll stop talking about basketball. But I, I'm. I'm a little confident. I have a little confidence in the Pac-12. Uh, the, the teams look like they're playing well, and uh, we're gonna go forward. So I, I think we're gonna see if at least three teams in the in the Sweet 16. Woohoo! Yeah, that'd be great. We'd love it. Um, all right. Well, I guess that'll wrap things up. Uh, thanks everyone for uh, being patient this past week, and uh, hope you guys enjoy the rest of the tournament. And we'll try to get some. More tidbits from what's going on in uh, spring practices as they get going, and some of them have already been going. But that's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the podcast of champions, and we will talk to you next time. So long, farewell, Avida saying goodbye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.